it was really a, this kick in the gut, sick feeling. My wife came home. I broke the news to her. I really thought it was going to be quite difficult for our company and thus our family. This is The Day That Changed Everything, a podcast series produced by Maine Biz, Maine's business news source. Every two weeks, we will post an interview with a Maine business leader whose life or business was upended in one day and learned how they navigated their way back. If all great changes are preceded by chaos, then this podcast series seeks to help us make sense of the chaos. The Day That Changed Everything is sponsored by Norway Savings Bank, Maine Technology Institute, or MTI, and Sutherland Weston. Remember why you went into business? You can say to fulfill a dream or change the world, but I'll bet the real reason you went into business was to make money. So how are you doing? And would you like to do better? Sutherland Weston Marketing Communications has been helping Maine businesses better do what they were built to do, make money by reaching audiences, catching eyes and ears, and helping them make the sale. Worth a phone call? Find Sutherland Weston Marketing Communications online at sutherlandweston.com. Welcome, everyone, to The Day That Changed Everything, the Main Biz podcast series. I'm Donna Broussard, and with us today is Tom Adams, the founder and CEO of Maine Coast, based in York, Maine. And Tom's going to be here to share his story about The Day That Changed Everything for Maine Coast. Welcome, Tom. Thank you very much. Happy to be here. So let's tell the folks a little bit about Maine Coast, what it is. My understanding is you founded it in 2011. Correct. We opened Maine Coast in May of 2011 with a focus on the wholesale distribution of live Maine lobsters globally. And where did you work before that? What made you decide to found Maine Coast? What was your background? Yeah, I actually began my lobster career in high school working for a small dockside lobster company here in York Harbor, Maine. I stayed with that same company through high school and college and then Went on to work for a couple other lobster companies for a brief period of time. In 1994, I was 24 years old, returned to the company I worked for in high school and college, worked my way into a sweat equity partnership there, and ran that company until 2009. We were a substantial size lobster business in the previous company, but not doing a lot of export work. We were doing a lot of business domestically and doing some export usually for other companies, packing their lobsters and they would ship and sell abroad. In 2009, I stole my half of that business. And in 2011, entered the lobster industry again after a brief respite. And, uh, but we opened Maine Coast with a, with a real focus on the export market. We didn't turn our eyes away from domestic business, but we definitely, looked towards exporting as a primary focus that we invested in. We invested in the marketing efforts, we invested in travel, and we really developed our business there quickly, mostly in Europe and across uh, many different countries in Asia. Why did you think that the export opportunity was the, the right one? Had there not been a lot going on previous to that? What did opportunity did you see? Yeah, well, the export market from the U.S. Uh, into Europe had been strong for many years, dating back into the 1980s. And so I had some experience there, but not but not a lot. Uh, we definitely felt that the Asian markets were rapidly expanding. There was some shipping, you know, well into Japan for quite a long time, a little bit of business into Korea. But really, 
not a lot direct to mainland China. But we saw that as an opportunity as more and more goods were trading more freely into mainland China as a place that we knew demand would be strong from the Chinese population who eat a lot of seafood in general and really have a desire for live seafood as well. So we quickly grew into that space. It was really an emerging market with a new company. So it made sense. Other markets, I had to take market share. But in China, it was, uh, like I said, new markets, new company, perfect fit. And it sounded like it worked because based on your history, you guys had double-digit growth annually. Um, along the way, you've won many honors. In uh, 2015, you won the SBA Exporter of the Year. In 2016, you remained fastest-growing mid-sized company. Inc. Magazine named you fastest-growing company in 2017. And Maine International Trade named you Exporter of the Year in 2018. So things were going well. Things were happening. You were growing and, uh, and being successful. Yeah, they really were. It was a, it was a exciting. It was a bit crazy at times. Um, it was a roller coaster ride, without a doubt. We certainly, you know, growing thirty percent each year uh, was was pretty unheard of in the lobster industry. So that was exciting. We made some mistakes for sure, but overall, we did have a lot of success and business was going quite good and, and we grew fast. We expanded our facility several times. We added to our workforce pretty much every year. So we grew very fast. We grew carefully. Like I said, we made mistakes, but overall it was mostly very exciting and successful. And you also opened up a facility in Boston, correct? Yes. In 2000, uh, I believe that was 16, we opened up a small distribution center on the Boston Fish Pier. Uh, we did that to, for several reasons. One, to be closer to the airport and shipping facilities and be able to react um, kind of at a moment's notice for our customers. And also we use that facility for marketing purposes. Uh, many people from around the world were coming into Boston. Oftentimes it was hard to get them maybe to even come an hour north to Maine when you're flying in from Shanghai or Beijing or Hong Kong or, or many countries, they know Boston. They don't necessarily know where you are in Maine and how to get there. And so it was, it was a great place and a great facility to host uh, customers from around the world. The Boston Seafood Show that was held each year, uh, pretty much across the street at the Boston Convention Center. It was a great place from there to host meetings. Uh, so it really had a, a double role. It was a great shipping facility, smaller than what we have in Maine, uh, gave us access to markets and shipping centers very quickly, but also allowed, allowed us to showcase our products uh, real and in person to, to many visitors from around the world. So we're gonna get now to the day that changed everything. So. Before we talk about that, let's talk about where you were right then and there. How big were you at that time in terms of annual sales, number of employees? How big were you at that point? Yeah. And by the, when we say the day that changed everything, there was a few of those days, but specifically <laughs> we're talking about uh, when the trade tariffs were put in place, um, retaliatory trade tariffs, punitive trade tariffs on many U.S. goods, including U.S. lobster. Right. And so how big were you at that point? We were 
around 50 million in revenue and about 50 employees as well. Okay. So do you remember the exact date of the tariff? Uh, the exact date of the tariff was implemented, I believe, on July 5th when the tariffs actually took place and were applied to U.S. product. And that tariff, that, that punitive tariff was 25%. Right. There was already an existing tariff on lobster, but it was across all lobster, including Canadian lobster. So that 25% was added. I remember clearly it was a Friday afternoon when it was announced. I don't remember what day it was. It was probably right around July 1st or June, sometime in June. And it was, I was at home and I read the news and we were worried about it, but we thought seafood might escape the, the punitive tariffs that we knew were going to be applied on many U.S. goods. And so did many at the government level that we had been talking to, but they did not. So I was home on a Friday evening. I remember my wife was not home. And I remember being like, oh God, and it was, it was really a, this kick in the gut, sick feeling. My wife came home. I broke the news to her. I really thought it was going to be quite difficult for our company and thus our family. So what did we do? You know, that weekend I uh, kind of wallowed in my misery, so to speak. Yep. And Monday, Monday morning, we came to work. I called a company meeting. I explained the tariff situation to the team. But by then I had regrouped my thoughts and I, and I came in that day saying, hey, you know, we've faced a lot of adversity here at Maine Coast. We've had a lot of successes. I know that we can, we can be resilient here. We can find ways to succeed. It's not gonna be easy. It's gonna be challenging for everybody. The salespeople, their lives changed overnight. Uh, our operations team, we had to really switch our focus and our markets to right. where, where are we going to sell now? It was, it was mainland China alone was 20% of our revenue at the time. Asia 20%. itself. So the tariff that the government put on was a 25% tariff, which made your lobster 25% more expensive than any other lobster, right? Correct. So and you our, anticipated that you would lose market share, obviously. And China was, you said 20% of your revenue was China at that point? Of our total revenue, direct shipments to mainland China was 20% of our revenue wow. at that point. I, think, I believe it might have been 22% it was, and growing. And we were investing in that growth plan. We had recently actually begun construction on a new expansion here that we invested over another million dollars in the facility with the expectation of that growth to come in China. Yeah. We're going to take a quick break, and when we come back, we're going to hear about what happened, how you coped with this blow with the day that changed everything, and learn more about how you turned it around. And we'll be right back. Mainers have an unrivaled work ethic, an endless supply of ideas, a boundless energy to create, and the perseverance to not say it's done until it's done better than it was before. Which is why the Maine Technology Institute was created to support, nurture, and invest in those qualities, and make Maine a place where ideas and people can thrive. To see how MTI supports innovation, go to maintechnology.org. That's maintechnology.org. We did see decreased revenue for a period of time, but we did not lay anyone off. We had saved for the rainy days. Welcome back. This is Donna Broussard. 
with The Day That Changed Everything, the Maine Biz Podcast. We're talking with Tom Adams from Maine Coast about the day that changed everything for him when the tariffs came down on lobster, exporting lobster of 25%, which was 20% of his business at the time. So, Tom, you had that sick feeling in your stomach. You regrouped with your staff. Then what happened? How soon did it take for you to feel the effect of the, the tariffs on your business? Did it happen right away? Were you getting canceled orders? Well, yes. So I believe remembering back, we when the tariff was announced, it was a couple weeks ahead of the actual tariff being placed, uh, maybe three weeks. So the first couple weeks, we saw a dramatic increase in our Chinese exports. Wow. Uh, our, our customers wanted our lobsters. They placed orders. They knew a tariff was coming. So right up until July 3rd, we were quite busy. And then the music stopped. July 3rd, those lobsters would have been arriving July 5th in China. That's how fast it works. These are, these are live lobsters being shipped. At least that's what our niche in the industry is. Uh, so July 5th, the new tariff came in place. So July 3rd, the order stopped. And we went from being, like we said, 20, 22% of our revenue in China. Overnight, 80% of those sales disappeared. Wow. That's got to be a scary thing. Very scary. You know, for our team, we had, I believe at the time, we had three salespeople that all had Asian speaking skills. Most spoke Chinese. Some spoke some Korean, Japanese. Um, those people were really hired and their jobs were based on the business we were doing in Asia and most of that in mainland China. So it was a real headwind we were facing overnight with very little notice. So you regrouped. What was some of the strategies that you decided to put into place to uh, turn that around? Yeah, first and foremost, we as a team just talked about what our where would we would try and sell, where we would dedicate our resources both from a marketing perspective, a sales effort. Immediately we started kind of, not that we ever took our eye off domestic, but we looked domestically right away. Where can we sell here in the US because we can't sell in the mainland China competitively against our Canadian counterparts in the industry. So we had employees that had Asian speaking skills. So the first thing we did was target Asian markets in the US, whether that be Asian supermarkets, restaurant chains in Chinatowns across the country, whether that was San Francisco, LA, New York, many places. And we looked to where we could use our talents and our personnel effectively to find that customer base. And that helped. We quickly found some business and replaced some of the lost business that we had in China. The challenge was it was much more competitive. Taking advantage of your strengths of having that ability to speak the language and to understand the market and to understand what they needed and what they liked to buy. That was, that was smart. And what else? Exactly. Also, we looked towards where else can we ship abroad? We had a tariff in place in China that prevented us competing most of the time. So we looked towards other Asian countries that we didn't face that, that tariff hurdle or imbalance. So we increased our business very quickly in places like Vietnam, Hong Kong, was we were still able to ship there without tariff. Uh, Korea, Malaysia, Singapore, many Southeast Asia countries. Uh, we more than doubled our business in, in one year. Wow. But all of that business combined didn't even come close to making up for the business we had in mainland China. 
Yeah, the volume just wasn't there. So so you weren't obviously the only wholesale lobster company affected. I mean, the lobster industry um, in the United States selling to China, the whole industry was affected by it, kind of got caught in the crosshairs of the tariff war. Um, and obviously, too, the providers of the lobster, the lobstermen, the fishermen who were providing you with the lobster didn't have anybody to sell to if you couldn't sell it abroad as well. So it was sort of a step-by-step -step effect down the down the line. How did people fare there? What what happened to some of those people? It hurt most on the international shipper level, like myself and, and several other. Many people were shipping to China at the time. A few of us quite a bit. Myself and several other companies were heavily invested there. Other companies, not as much, but those companies may have been selling to a facility or company like mine for, for then further export. So without a doubt, there was a price impact right away that was felt all the way to the harvester level. Fortunately, that quickly rebounded as we did open up other markets. And surprisingly, or not so surprisingly to some of us, the demand from Canada spiked. So our Canadian counterparts did not face a tariff increase and they had a competitive advantage, both on live lobster and on processed lobster goods like frozen tails, whole cooked frozen, that kind of item. So a lot of the Canadian companies started increasing their buys out of the US. Ah. And our, our lobsters were sent, quite a few of them, and they always are, to Canada for further processing and then sold as a Canadian product under Canadian tariffs by our Canadian counterparts in the industry. There so it go. was a real win-win for them. Yes, that sounds like a win-win. That sounds awesome. And so were you? did you have to do any layoffs for a while or were you able to maintain your staffing before you were able to bring back business? We, we were really worried about that and we did see decreased revenue for a period of time, but we did not lay anyone off. We decided that we were gonna keep everybody uh, on board. We had had some success. We had saved for the rainy day, so to speak. I had a partner at, at the time that was more of a business advisor to me and, and him and I sat down and we had a, a hard conversation about what do we do here? Do we, do we pull back the reins? Do we take the foot off the gas? Do we cut costs? And we both looked at each other and said, that's not what made Maine Coast successful. And so we decided to not go that route and we decided to keep our foot on the grab, on the gas, so to speak, to keep investing, to invest in our marketing, to travel to trade shows and around the world and visit our customers, including China still. We never backed out of China, although our sales were very much reduced. We maintained contact with everybody. We still traveled to the trade shows there. And in the end, when we finished 2018, the year of the terrorists, we finished flat. So we lost a lot of business in China, but we were able to really just barely maintain the revenue that we had achieved at some lower margins, because one of the things that happened is a lot of U.S. companies faced the same challenge. So a lot of us were forced to sell into a smaller marketplace. And so we were competing even more heavily with each other for that reduced business that was available to us. So a little bit of a pricing challenge there. Yeah. So you ended that year flat, and since then, you've been able to grow the company again. Yeah, you know, fortunately, that was 2018, 2019. We were 
back on a much slower growth plan, but but still growing, which that made me happy. I'm a person that doesn't like to stay flat. If I think that that's losing ground if you stay flat, especially in this competitive industry. So we, we definitely made some headway in a lot of other Asian countries. We increased our European business a bit. Domestically was our best growth that we achieved during that time period. Uh, and then we also did some other administrative and changes of our infrastructure here in the U.S. that helped us to regain some market share as well. Such as? One of the things that we did here was we set up a, what's called a FTZ, a foreign trade zone. It allows for us to bring product in from Canada or other countries, but for us, it's Canada where we buy some Canadian product. And then we were able to ship to under customs control that product as a Canadian item versus a US item. Normally, once it entered the US, it then has to be shipped under a tariff that's applied to it as a US product. So that helped us regain some market share on product we bought out of Canada, which is only a portion of the year. That's really the winter months and the spring months. And then the summer and fall were primarily Maine and US product. So we still lost that business against our Canadian competitors, but it did help. Great. Okay. Well, we're going to take a quick break to say uh, hi to one of our sponsors. And when we come back, we're going to hear what lessons Tom and his company has learned from this experience of the day that changed everything. We'll be right back. You've worked, you saved, and now it's time to enjoy what you've earned, your retirement. This is Kurt Garasha of Norway Savings Asset Management Group. We're more than just retirement advisors. We're family fiduciaries, promising to put you and your family's interest and goals first. Let us help you write your next chapter. For more information, visit norwaysavings.bank. Investment products are not FDIC insured, not guaranteed by the bank, and may lose value. It was mentally exhausting for well over a year, but they persevered and we supported them as a company. Welcome back. This is Donna Broussard here with The Day That Changed Everything. We're talking with Tom Adams from Maine Coast, and we've just talked about how the tariffs that were applied to his business changed everything for them in one day, loss of 20% of his business, and how over the last few years he's able to bring it back. So Tom, now that you sort of crossed that bridge, gotten over that hump, pick a metaphor, what would you say is the biggest lesson that you've learned from this experience? And, and what advice would you give other business owners who might be faced with a major drop in a major, you know, 20% of their business just sort of evaporating on them uh, in an instant, essentially? What, what would you say to them? And what have you learned? Yeah, it's a great question. We learned a lot. It wasn't necessarily a fun learning experience. But what I would take away from what we went through was to certainly the best you can be prepared for the worst. And unfortunately, we, we went through what, what we thought was the worst up until uh, coronavirus, I suppose. But we were prepared for it as a, as a company. We had invested in the business steadily as we grew. We diversified our customer base, although mainland China was a little bit over 20% of our business. We, I believe in 2018, shipped 31 different countries. 
no single market bigger than China for us other than the US market, but not to have all our eggs in one basket was probably the biggest thing that, that helped us through that period. Having a very versatile and nimble staff helped a lot and supporting them through it, I think was what helped us move beyond where we were as a company facing that huge challenge. It was really difficult for them and we knew it. The way they sold and where they sold and who they sold to changed overnight. And that was extremely difficult, but also tiresome. It was mentally exhausting for a long period of time, well over a year, but they persevered and we supported them as a company. Looking back, that was the best thing we ever did was to just not panic, to kind of reset our compass and then stay the course again. Although it was challenging and there was times you wanted to throw in the towel, we never did. And looking back, I, I would think that's probably the biggest reason that we were able to persevere. Sounds like it. Well, you're lucky to have such a great team and they're lucky to have a great leader in you, Tom. So congratulations. And how are things now? You Things are, are good. Things are growing. Things are back to pretty much where you wanted them to be. Yeah, you know, thankfully, 2019, we were back on a nice growth um, trajectory. Uh, and then, of course, mid-January, we started hearing about coronavirus in late December because we were doing a lot of business in China. Yeah. Uh, by mid-January, we knew it was a significant problem. Uh, I didn't expect it to be quite what it was worldwide, but that was another major impact that happened. Changed our business again. How has it affected you specifically? You can't ship? Is that how is it? Well, working? you know, we were primarily a wholesaler to other seafood distributors around the world okay. who a lot of their customer base was food service. Uh -huh. So the food service and restaurant business around the world changed pretty much, you know, overnight within a couple months period. Right. So since then, we've had to once again, shift our focus. And luckily, we've been able to gain some business in the retail sector, still talking once again to all our customers in the food service and restaurant part of the business, but refocusing some of our efforts on what market is available. So once again, here we are doing that, but we're seeing some, some good recovery there as well. So communication, communication, communication is what I'm hearing too. That is good. Exactly. Advice. That is good advice. Well, Tom, I really appreciate your time. I really appreciate your candor and telling and sharing your story with us, because I think it's a great example of uh, not putting all your eggs in one basket, like you said, and making sure that uh, you've got the team around you that can go to plan B, plan C, or even plan D when you have to. Um, so congratulations. Thanks very much for your time. And any last words? Once again, thank you for having me. I enjoy main business. I enjoy being in the, in the lobster industry here. We're a very very resilient state and resilient industry and you know we're proving it time after time unfortunately but we will as a state and, a, and an industry keep persevering and, and keep growing and, and in the end we're going to be a better industry for it this has been a production of main biz find out more about this podcast and other main biz media products at mainbiz.biz the Day That Changed Everything is sponsored by Norway Savings Bank, Maine Technology Institute, or MTI, and Sutherland Weston. The Main Biz podcast team includes Renee Cordes, Will Hall, Maureen Milliken, Allison Nason, Andrea Tetzlaff, and Donna Broussard. Audio editor and producer, 
is Chris Sedenka. Logo and marketing designer is Matt Selva. The Main Biz podcast team also thanks Peter Van Allen, Betsy Vanderplug, Ken Hansen for their contributions. Subscribe to the Main Biz podcast at mainbiz.biz or via iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Copyright 2020.